Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 coming up this hour how far is too far in supporting your own kid and then spiritual lessons from my dumb phone you're listening to the common good Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. Glad to have you with us. It's Friday. It's springtime. Aubrey, for our kids, it is now spring, spring break. break. Spring break. You're sticking around, though, right? Yeah, well, I'm I'm actually headed today to a church in Seattle um, for the weekend. I'm speaking there uh, tonight and on Sunday, so that should be really fun. And then uh, my kids are here. A staycation. A staycation. Yeah, we'll probably do some fun things, or we won't do anything. <laughs> They'll play video games and love it. Yeah, my family, exactly. my family left this morning. Uh, without me, and they're going down oh. there in Nashville. Not going to see Nashville. Ian Simpkins, but going to be down there. And then after church on Sunday, I'm going to fly down. Oh, and meet good! Them. So you get to spend. And then some time we're going to be them. down there, not in Nashville. We're going to go out of the city into oh. like some of the mountains, kind of be out in, out in nature Fun. for a little for a couple days. I feel days. like when you said that, you just uh, sounded a little southern, like you were getting your Nashville on. You were like, "We're going to be out in the mountains." We're going to be in bit. Nashville. So yes, excited, and I know a lot of you out there who are listening. Spring break is here uh, as well. Hopefully, it is. A great time. Well, Aubrey, one of the things you and I talk a lot about here on the show is marriage. Did you just hear that? Like the Princess Bride? Did you? Is marriage. <laughs> it is marriage. <laughs> I did uh, hear it. We do weddings. We do premarital counseling. But most importantly, uh, you and I are both married, not to each other, but to our spouses. Would you like uh, to Carrie clarify and I, that for people? Carrie and I have been married for 22 years. You and Kevin have been married for 21. And here's, quite frankly, we have a passion to see marriages go well. We yes. want our own marriages yes. to go well. Well, but beyond that, we want the marriages within our churches, our friends, whatever else we want them to go well. So I was over at the New York Post the other day, and I feel like this person, this is a non-Christian, uh, wrote this book, uh, and, and people are kind of talking about it, which I guess you're an author. You want people talking you about your book. You definitely want people talking about your book. She's That's trying right. to write the honest book. Okay. okay? Uh, her name is Heather uh, Haverleski. She's 51, and okay. she makes this bombshell confession in her new book. She says... Uh, she reveals that she, quote, hates her husband, oh. but insists she has no plans to divorce him. The book is called Foreverland on the Divine Tedium of Marriage. Oh, wow. Likening her spouse. Listen, she's got to be a comedian, too. Likening her spouse of 16 years to, quote, a pointy Lego brick <laughs> underfoot, a smelly heap of laundry, and a snoring heap of meat. And so basically, <laughs> uh, they've got two good. kids, and she talks about... Uh, in this book, which is uh, supposedly just really honest, she's trying to say, listen, a lot of marriage mm. books I've tried to read, I just want to throw them out because they're they're too Pollyanna. They're too everything's yeah. going to be yeah. okay. Instead, she hopes her book, she says, is a refreshing antidote to be carefully curated glimpses of people's lives, which you see so often. She says, wants to say, this is what marriage is. And I'll, I'll share mm. some more of what she said. But let me just ask you. Is it helpful for us who've especially been married after many years, right? Is yeah. it helpful to go, listen, it's not happily ever after. It's <laughs> tedium. It's it's work. It's this. Right. Or, no, it's this wonderful uh, God-given institution. I yeah, love my spouse. Yeah. And we're in this. There seems to be this tension, not just in writings, but even how you and I talk about it. What's most helpful as we even view marriage after 20 years? What is most helpful? I, that's a great question because when Kevin and I do premarital with couples, I, we do try to, you don't want to burst their bubble, right? Like they're so yes. in love and you don't want to burst that, but you do want to give them a little dose of reality. Like, Hey, a day is coming when you may not feel what you're feeling. Those, those dopamine receptors are not going to be going <laughs> off like they are now, but that's where the real work and the real fun and yeah. the real adventure of marriage begins. So in one sense, it is maybe helpful and funny to be like, oh, my gosh, this person is driving me crazy with the fact that they won't put their laundry in the laundry basket. They keep throwing it on the floor. 
But then you also, I never want to tell people marriage is like terrible and awful right. and, and boring. And because then you just are convinced that marriage is that. Yeah. I, yeah. I guess I want, I, ah, maybe you want I, both. Maybe I'm, yeah. I was going to say maybe I'm Pollyanna, but I think I do want both. I think I want to know the reality, but also know it also is wonderful and fun and it is your best friend. And, yeah, her, you know, you have to work hard at it. Her and her husband have been married for 16 years. Nice. And in it, she talks about how they are brutally honest with each other. Wow. And this and that. But she goes on to say, while her new book is a warts and all look at, quote, the drudgery and monotony of marriage, uh, Havrileski insists her intention is to show that it is an institution worth defending. Wow. The writer okay. recently underwent treatment for breast cancer, and her husband, Bill, was by her side. And mm. she said this, I hate it when people say their husband is their best friend. But he's my best friend, <laughs> my therapist, and my mother in one. <laughs> so I think she, she's got to have some comedian definitely, in here. Definitely, definitely. Right. Very After entertaining. After 20 years, yes. how do you keep let, – let's not let, – so we, you and I have spent a lot of time talking about how do you keep to the commitment of mm-hmm. marriage? How do you keep going when mm-hmm. things are no longer happily ever after and mm-hmm. things are no longer like the Disney movie? But let's flip that a little bit, Aubrey. Okay. Maybe for you and Kevin or just more in general – how do you keep marriage um, exciting or yeah. fresh or yeah. whatever else it might yeah. be so that we don't get into it and go, oh, this is just drudgery and monotony yeah. and who is this other person and what did I do? You know what I Or we don't right, end up describing right, our, right. our spouse as a Lego piece <laughs> that you step on. We've all had that moment. So what good. might be some tips to the person listening right now going, yeah, I don't even know my spouse anymore? Oh, man. I mean, I would say it's really... Um, for um, for me and Kevin, it's not that earth shattering. It's like we go to dinner mm. and remember that we have fun together. We do simple things like play Wordle and compete with each other because it's fun. We have a show or two that we're watching. Like we just sort of do. Uh, this is the phrase we don't like here. Do life together. But I mean that like we do life together. We plan what meals we have. We talk about our work days. We, I mean, it's just they're very mundane. Mm-hmm. Like this uh, author says, it is tedium, but it does for me, I feel like I'm emotionally invested in by Kevin and emotionally connected to Kevin when we are talking about our day and when we hear each other's opinions on things and when we do silly things like play Wordle or whatever together. That's fun for us. That mm-hmm. keeps the adventure going. So that sounds so simple and basic, but truly, I think like the simple and the basic are what makes the recipe That's work. Good. Yeah. And I think we have to recognize when we're off. Right. Like there are moments there are going to be ebbs and flows. There are going to be ups and downs. And there are moments where Carrie and I have to look at each other and be like, why are we being jerks to each other? Mm. Or why are you ignoring or whatever else? it might be, Just call it out a little bit. I've shared with you that I'm bad at that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we have to do that. And then I've got the you know, my kids are getting older. They're a little bit ahead of yours. I've got one going to college. When one's going to college, you can kind of see the rest of them going to college Uh. at some point. And I've always, I, I never want to be that marriage where when the kids are go, you were mm. like, there's no relationship here yeah. anymore because everything yeah. was built around our children. Yeah, that's good. And I think that's a real danger is, is, is building everything around your children who are then there for 20 years right. at least. And right. then you end up not. Uh, and so I would encourage people, uh, go uh, make a date night regularly, right? Go do stuff. But let me, all right, let's, I'm asking you all the hard marriage yeah, questions. You are. So the person's listening out there, when do you know it's time for counseling? When do you uh, know it's yeah. time to take yeah. this work to yeah. another? A, a simple date night might not be yeah, the answer. And I think that's really a good point because I do sometimes think a, go on a date night can sound really flippant if you're mm-hmm. really hurting in your marriage. And that's why this author that you brought up probably threw a lot of marriage books across the room because that can. Yeah, that can feel really minimizing. Um. I I mean, I can't really, I know for Kevin and I, there was a moment when we both went, we cannot live like this anymore. Mm. Like we were fighting so much or not communicating so much. There were so many of what John uh, Gottman calls the four apocalypses or four horsemen of the apocalypse of of marriage, like escalating, stonewalling, criticizing, and I think blaming. And we were doing all four of those constantly. And we realized there was no... There was no emotional investment in Mm. our quote unquote relationship bank. And so when we needed to, we were in a season of withdrawal because I was really sick and some other things were going on. We had nothing to withdraw from. And so we were in a total marriage deficit. And all of that was like a signpost where we were like, we are going to get worse or we're going to get better. Mm. What's the choice we're going to make? Okay, let's go get help. And so 
I, you know, I think if any of what I'm saying rings true to you, call a counselor. Like, it will only help That's your marriage good. or it'll only help you begin to have tools to start helping your marriage. The four marital horsemen of the apocalypse. I kind of like that. Yeah. That's not bad. Yeah. It's good. All right. Yeah. Some of you. Painful, you, but good. <laughs> do the work, invest the money, whatever it takes to go get right in your marriage. You know, go to counseling. But also for some of you, if it's just a distance issue, go on a date. Yeah. Guess what? Yeah. It's nice outside. We can go for walks. Yeah. Do all of those things. Those so are fun. Looks like a fascinating marriage book. Aubrey, you, you've got kids. Your kids are, give me the ages again. They are 15, 12, 10. Okay. You look like you're about to give another I, one. There's yeah, another I know. kid I'm out like, there. As I'm saying, I'm like, is this right? Yes. 15, that's 12, 10. Mm-hmm. I have an 18-year-old, a 14-year-old, and a 12-year-old. Uh, and so generally the same time. So... Uh, one thing that, that I want to do in my kids is to encourage them. Mm-hmm. I want my kids to know I'm there for mm-hmm. them. I want to spur them on. I don't want to superimpose my dreams on them, right? So we say all of this stuff. Fair. And yes. That's a little bit of a background to a story that I found fascinating, uh, and I can really understand both sides of it. Okay. So I would love Let's to – let me tell the background okay. of this story. And then I'm just going to toss it into you to oh, let great. you just unpack Thanks, it. Brian. Uh, Stephen Furtick, he's a he's a a lightning rod of a pastor, celebrity pastor, a lightning rod. You've probably heard of him at Elevation Church in North Carolina. I believe it's in Charlotte, the Charlotte area. Stephen Furtick in uh, this article said he comes under fire for endorsing his teen son's explicit music. It says Elevation Church founder and senior pastor Stephen Furtick and his wife Holly recently came under fire online for supporting their teen son's music, which includes references to sex, guns, and excess of money. Last week, 16-year-old Elijah Furtick, uh, a hip-hop artist, released his first album called Teen Machine. Teen Machine, that's right. Uh, that sounds like, like, a, like a youth group event we would all go to. Like, remember... <laughs> You know who's that? Remember team? when Saved by the Bell had a band, Zack Attack? I feel like it's kind of the same thing, Teen Machine. I'm thinking more like, hey, this weekend I'm going to Teen Machine to see Audio Adrenaline and Newsboys. <laughs> anyway, the album begins with a 30-second introduction that states that the songs are, quote, a genuine reflection of some dimension of the author's experience or personality, while also noting that most of the lyrical content reflects experiences that are, quote, fictitious, exaggerated, tongue-in-cheek, or otherwise wildly inaccurate. And it goes on to say that many of the songs uh, are sexually explicit, uh, language, whatever else it might be. Uh, Stephen Furtick went to Instagram with a picture of his son, and he basically said how how proud he is that his mm. music's an obsession for him, and and you've locked yourself in the garage, kind of done this. You you've really okay. stepped out. I'm so proud of you. Yeah. Uh, and so it's kind of what you'd see from and Holly Furtick, uh, Stephen Furtick's wife, Elijah's mother, said in the same post, "I'm so proud of this project." Hmm. And people have gone, have kind of called them out and said, listen, like the lyrics here are, are very unbecoming right. of not just a Christian, but a pastor, a leader. And some people have gone so far to say, hey, little First Timothy 3, your kid is a reflection, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Wow. So all of this uh, made me exactly have the same reaction you did. If people could have seen your face just kind of. I don't know because yeah. I read it and well, I won't give my thoughts. Let me let me hear your initial thoughts as you hear that story. Uh, um, OK, so I also feel torn. And here's why. If it's your kid and I don't know the background of their relationship, mm-hmm. let's say they have any time. Let's say they seems let's like it's good. They have a healthy relationship, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. I would say, let's say even if they have a rocky relationship. Um, you say that you're proud of your children, especially if they like write a book, release an album, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. because that's what parents do. Like you celebrate what your kids are doing, even if you don't necessarily like endorse the content. Mm. Um, I think what is so difficult about this, Brian, and this is worth having a conversation about, because I don't know if I know the answer. Uh, can you at that level of um, influence, which Stephen Furtick has a lot of influence, at what point should you not support your kids if what they're putting out in the world is really like antithetical to the Christian message? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I feel like I don't have the right answer for that, Brian, because I would I would probably say err on the side of supporting your child. 
I would too. Let me let me Although caveat I, that let me a little say bit. One thing, though. Okay. If my kid put this out in the world, I'd be like, you will not put this out in the world. So that's <laughs> You're this done. is where I'm like, I'm torn. I'm torn. So Stephen Furtick, like we described him earlier, is a lightning rod. Okay, in in the evangelical world, many people come down on him. You might remember if you've been around this show for a while. Ian and I did a story years ago about discussing whether it's appropriate for a pastor to have multi-million dollar homes in this. And yeah. that. that was Stephen Furtick. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but here's what I would say, Aubrey. I would err on the side of supporting my kid. Okay. Okay? Okay. Like, I'm a believer that if my kids were even a little bit off the reservation, I'm using air quotes, right? I think everybody knows what I mean by that. Like, off the reservation, maybe not following the faith or whatever. My goal is to um, keep that relationship going. Yeah, keep the yes. uh, lines of yes. communication. Yes. I always want my kids to know that I love them and I'm for them and I'm with them, even if we disagree with where their life is at. Here's where I would push back against what Stephen Furtick and his wife did. Just because everything else about your life is done online and publicly uh-huh. in this net doesn't mean that has to always be the case. Yeah, yeah. If my child was doing something that I thought I wouldn't want anybody else in my, say, congregation to yeah. do, I don't need to highlight it on right. Facebook, Instagram, right. from the pulpit. Because his whole church now is going to go buy this album, probably. Probably the point. Yeah. Um, but you could even tell people, hey, you could tell your son, like, right? Like, I don't think my son or my daughters need me to go on Facebook for them to feel like dad and mom love them but i can go to them and be like hey uh i can have an honest talk with them i'm proud of what you're doing you're Mm -hmm. really going for it uh you know maybe we could talk about these lyrics a little bit um but let's have a conversation uh it is a little bit of what's wrong with evangelicalism right now and just our culture in general that now people have started talking about him as a father yeah i don't like that that. but i i think he invited that by going to instagram and And saying publicly you know, uh, or just say, about this. or you could say, I'm, I'm excited for my kid to be following yeah. their dreams and yeah. instead being like, what you've done is great. Like the work you've put out there is wonderful. His son is 16. Ultimately, he needs to know that his mom and dad have this back, right? right? They're there for him. Right. They are pro him. I have many friends whose kids are not following the faith right now, but their kids know that they love yes, them. Yes, totally. I'm just not sure you need to always highlight it as a pastor on social media, but I also know much of Stephen Furtick's life is social media. So and, that's why I show is that their son's love language, right? Like if, if they didn't do it on social media, would their son feel like they weren't supporting him? I still think though, this is maybe even a, another conversation about do parents forget to be parents mm-hmm. and parent? Do you know what I mean? Like, again, I don't think I would personally let my 16 year old put something with those lyrics out into the world. If I had any say over it, and I do think they have to stay over it. He's a 16-year-old boy. And then, like you said, I certainly wouldn't be like, look at how amazing this is. But I still think there are ways to maybe celebrate with that. Like the fact that Holly Furtick said, I love this project. You could have said, I really love my son. I'm I love so proud. my son. And yes. not specifically said, I'm proud of this particular project, especially what it stands for. But I, th- it's complicated. It's complicated. It's complicated. We'd love to know what you think. Uh, what would you do if they were in their shoes? And just... We also have to just be honest to the story here, Aubrey. We actually don't know that Stephen Furtick and his wife have any problems with what his their they son put not. out. That's a really good point. No, this might be totally we legit could be for them. projecting completely. It's a good point, and hoping that they have a problem with what their son put out here. But that also good may point. not be the case. Good you point. can look that story up. We'd love to hear what you have to say, Ryan. I'm ready. You and I are both pastors, as we like to say pretty uh, today. <laughs> regularly. Yeah, until we lose our job. We At are both today. pastors, that's right. And, you know, especially I would say over the course of the two years, you and I have talked a lot about how uh, church has changed, right? Because of COVID, some churches went online, some mm-hmm. didn't, some were in mass, some didn't. So, but there's been a lot of conversation about has the church lost her way? You know, like I think some people wanted churches to double down in certain ways and others. People wanted churches to double down in those other ways. And it became complicated, right? Like, has the church stopped being the church? Um, Brian, one of the things that uh, pastors or like thinkers about the church talk about is something called mission drift, Mm -hmm. where you begin just slowly, slowly, slowly drifting away from your uh, the point at which you're trying to aim yeah, right and, yeah. and that happens in time that happens because of various reasons and it's always small like think about a ship yes. that's trying to get somewhere if you're just off two degrees mm-hmm. 
over time, that's yeah. going to be you're going to miss your mark by a lot. Exactly. I know we don't speak of him much, but Bill Hybels used to famously say this that that your if your trajectory right now is just barely off mm. ten years from now, mm. it's going to be way off. So yeah, this is a big deal. And uh, real fast, last week when I was preaching, I talked about this. Now that I think about it, this, somewhat of a general this concept, but in our personal lives, I said Ooh, to our church. That's good. I said to them, I said, I'm not worried in my own life. I'm speaking for myself. I'm not really worried about apostasy, that I'm going to give up the faith, that I'm going to like just one day wake up and go, none of this is true. Like I'm really bought in. I don't really think apostasy is the issue for me. It's Mm -hmm. apathy. Nice. It's it's. I mean, I didn't say nice because that was good. (laughs) Good But I like, yeah, like a pastor. I was like, oh, two A's. That's solid. And I think that's true for Almost everybody in our churches who are followers of Jesus. I There are people wrestling with, like, do I actually believe this? Definitely. But I are. think for most people, especially where we live in the western suburbs of Chicago and this, that the issue is apathy. And I think this is what this is getting at as a church as a mm. whole. What does it look like not to give up on the mission of God, mm-hmm. but to just drift? Just to slowly, you've, subtly drift. Yeah, you've lost your focus a little bit as to what exactly it is you're trying to... I think it's the same thing. The same way this happens in our individual lives is the same thing that happens in our uh, collective uh, yeah. church community life. Yeah, that's good, Brian. Well, the the article that Brian just nodded to is by Sam Rayner over at churchleaders.com. And he says, there are eight warning signs. Your church, or let's, let's do what Brian said. We are drifting from God's mission. And the first thing is this. The chatter, so your chatter, is all about people and not about Jesus. Not all chatter is gossip. People talk. That's part of being human. But conversations in the church can be about a number of things. Not all of them are bad. However, when people start talking about themselves without any mention of Christ, or I would say other people Mm -hmm. without any mention of Christ, your church is not only drifting, the congregation is dangerously inward. Mm -hmm. Can you think of an example of that, Brian, besides gossip? Because gossip is what comes to mind for me. Yeah, I can think of a lot of examples, and this one's really difficult because I know for me as a pastor. So let me let me give the red flag for me as a pastor okay. when my whole thought process becomes, okay, what is this person going to think about mm, this, or yeah, what what kind go. of program okay. will these people yeah. be happy about? What do they? It's all none of that's bad, mm. right? I, I want to think about programming that my ch- that will meet the needs of the people in my church, but when everything becomes about Let's just be bluntly honest. Uh, how do I make this person happy? How do I make these yeah. people happy? How do I kind of keep things yeah. calm? I've lost the mission. I've just mm. said, okay, I got to keep this organization going. Yeah. And I think we see this in churches in general when people are talking about not even gossiping, but like talking about the church yeah. or about the people in the church exclusively or only. Instead of like, you know, what are we trying to accomplish? Where is God leading us? I think that's a big red flag. Yeah, this that's really interesting. I yesterday something Kevin uh not yesterday, last weekend something Kevin said in his uh sermon was he was talking about his own sin and his own heart and he was saying, "Look, I'm up here preaching to you and and a lot of me it's because I really want you to be passionate about Jesus mm. and about God's word." Like that's in there. And he said, "But there is also a part of me that really just wants you to like me. Mm. And I know you're going to go back in your car and you're going to go, can you believe Kevin's at that? Or that? And he's like, <laughs> I don't want him. you to do that. And it was just very like eye opening. He like, he was just saying that's part of the sin struggle in yeah. me is I want your attention more than I want God's. Yep. Anyway, that, that goes back to, um, I mean, not, most of us who preach, we do not struggle at all with wanting <laughs> other people's approval. <laughs> just, I only want, I, I'm only, only preaching you, to God. an audience of you, one. <laughs> no, that's such a big one. That's, that's good. So that's real. Good. Okay. So number two, another uh, way you might know you're drifting from God's mission, you no longer celebrate God's mission and worship service. This author says when people go, the church should celebrate. Celebrate When God sends, the church should erupt in praise. A lack of celebratory spirit over God's mission is one indication a church is drifting. Hmm. Number three. Real fast, part of this is difficult because in your church, how many people could say this is the mission? Mm. Right. Like, yeah, it's one thing to say we've drifted from the mission. Yeah. It's another thing to say that we don't have a mission yeah, or that's at least expressly uh, spoken of. So yeah. I, that kind of underlies this too. this kind this article, I should say, somewhat um, works under the assumption that people know what you're trying to do. That's anyway. a really good point. And maybe that's like stepping back. That's I think a so. word. Are you communicating what the mission is? Uh, three, the percentage given to missions out of the budget is shrinking. 
Four, church leaders do not speak about the lostness of the nations. Five, new believers are perceived as disturbing the peace of the body. It's interesting. <laughs> what I, I, that's, this author says, if a small group or Bible class would rather not deal with the messiness of assimilating a new believer, then it's drifting from God's mission. Mm. The messiness of new believers should be seen as God's beautiful work, not a disturbance to the status quo. That's, that's good. That's good. Number six, there is more of a focus on the older generation than the younger generation. This author, again, says all generations are important. So that's very interesting. A church that's full of just one generation, he says, is disobedient. Mm. Number seven, few people care about the persecuted church. Eight, it takes more to win less. It's possible for a church to grow numerically and do less kingdom work. Mm -hmm. This is fascinating. It's really good. So is there one of these that stands out to you? Yeah, it is. uh, Let me go backwards here. New believers are perceived as Mm. disturbing the peace of the body. Because, I mean, rightfully so. At my church, we talk all the time. We're a community. We're a community. We're a family. We're a community. Uh, outsiders, if you could see me here using air quotes, mm-hmm. I'm using air quotes. Outsiders can really mess that up yeah, the same true. way in a family. When somebody marries into the family, yeah. it can really mess with the equilibrium. Yeah. And if we've lost kind of the mission that, no, we celebrate new people, we celebrate this. You could start to get mad. Like, Hey, we had a good thing going here. And now that guy got, came in and it's just. Now it's just different, right? Yeah. And so I think that's a good one. I, I think this, not just new believers, but just even new attenders, right? I think all of us want to celebrate new believers. I think so, too. But what about that new person who has yeah. just started attending yeah. and they want to get involved? And the, This is hard. This is a really good one. I think this is worth bringing to your elders and other people just going, hey, here's some things this? to think about. Yeah. How are we How are we doing on the scale? Yep. Yeah. This is really interesting. I think uh, I, I would say also if you care about the persecuted church, I I think I would say this similarly to what you said. Our church, I would believe, cares deeply about the persecuted church. Are we? Have we spent a lot of time praying for the persecuted Mm-mm. church in the past mm-hmm. several Sundays? We definitely right. haven't. So that's a good word for all of us. All right. So has your church drifted from God's mission? Have you personally drifted from God's mission? Those are some questions that you can ask yourself. Um, okay. So, Brian, you're traveling. I'm traveling. And I just wanted to reflect a little bit on traveling because uh, we're in a when I say a post COVID world, I mean, like on the timeline of a world that existed before COVID and a world that existed after COVID. We are now after COVID Mm -hmm. and we know travel changed dramatically in COVID. Some of that was that travel just halted. Some of that was that all of a sudden we're masked when we weren't. Now we're still, I'm, I'm imagining I'm going to get on a plane tonight and I'm still masked that's on right. the way to Seattle because that's, right. that's still the regulations. Although when I get to Seattle, I know some of their mask mandates have changed. So all that to say, travel is changing. And I thought it might be interesting to reflect on travel in COVID and travel now. What are we looking forward to? What are we celebrating? How has it changed? Will we go back to normal? Just want to sort of reflect on that. So um, Brian, we let's see in COVID, early COVID, we didn't travel anywhere because we were just like feeling really nervous. That's and right. then we started to get a little brave and we started doing road trips. Like we went to my parents. Uh, they have a lake I house remember. in Oklahoma. We yep. went there several times and we, you know, would mask up and then we'd stop at a gas station and we'd mask up and we'd put on hand sanitizer and we'd run to the bathroom and we'd come back and we'd do more hand sanitizer. And like, we were just very careful and cautious when we got to where we were, we weren't going out to restaurants. We weren't doing much. We were ordering food in or going to the grocery store. And even at the grocery store, we were like, we were just being very careful. And that feels like a, different day and age it does already like, I'm like who it? are those people what were they doing you know we've now gone through this whole system <laughs> yeah. where covid and now we're coming out the other end a little bit so yeah no i totally get it with you yep so you're obviously about to travel for spring break are you looking forward to it feeling different than it did a few years ago or or are, is that even on your mind it's not i find covid some people are going to get mad about this. I find it not on my mind anymore. Interesting. And that's what worries me a little bit about some of these new regulations. Like when I fly on Sunday, like you said, you still have to wear a mask yes, on an airplane. Yep. And I haven't worn a mask now in weeks. Yeah. And some people in some states, not for months, but right. it will be a little bit odd. And so I'm sure that will bring back some memories of mm-hmm. like, okay, this is kind of a post. But no, I'm super excited to travel. I'm looking yeah. forward to it like you. Uh, we although we did fly once in the midst of like the height of everyone's <gasps> craziness, did? 
Uh, yeah, we went the sum. So it was the summer of 2020. Oh yeah, that's the midst nope. of COVID. Nope, the summer of. Yeah, it was the summer of okay. 2020, and we went to Nantucket with Carrie's family. And, and how was that? It was wonderful. It was okay. awesome. But yeah. the reason we justified, well, we justified it because Nantucket was awesome. Well, yeah. We knew that once we got there, we'd be by ourselves with her family at a house. You, so so it you wasn't wouldn't gonna be, be around a lot of people. So it was people. really just about flying, and mm-hmm. it was the weirdest thing I remember. I'll never forget flying from Chicago to Washington, D.C., and then it went from D.C. to Nantucket. In the flight from Chicago to Washington, D.C., on the way home, yeah, there were my family of five and three other people <gasps> on the entire flight. No way. Are weird. you serious? It was weird. So, you know, wow. not like that anymore. But yeah. yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to traveling. I'm, I'm excited to do it. I had plans in COVID. I was going to fly down to a place, a friend's house in Florida and do some work. And um, I remember just reading about COVID on flights. And I was talking to her. She's actually an ER nurse. And she was saying... You can, but just make sure you don't ever touch your face the whole time you're on the flight. Because if you touch something that has COVID and you touch your face, you're going to give yourself COVID. And I panicked and I canceled my whole trip. <laughs> Looking back, I'm like, I probably could have gone. It probably would have been okay. I would have enjoyed a nice, like, quiet time in Florida because, like you said, no one was traveling. But that is okay. I think I'm looking forward to actually don't mind being masked on an airplane because I do feel like I always get sick when I fly. And so I actually, yes, I feel like I always get something, a cold or I don't know. So I'm actually glad that the world will be masked on the airplane because I think that just protects all of us, not even from COVID, just like the common cold and the flu and things like that. But I am excited that when I'm actually in the city of Seattle, I think as far as most places I'll get to take masks off and like this summer when we travel as a family i'm glad that it won't feel quite as tense i think yeah. that's what i'm mostly looking forward to like you'll kind of like relax your shoulders and not fe- at least for me i won't feel as tense and worried as i did when we were traveling a few so years how ago. about this let's expand this a little bit okay there is i don't know if you've seen this in the news there is the beginning murmurings of another variant out I've, there i've been trying to ignore it but i've uh, seen it well, Brian. that's my point mm-hmm. like what does that do to you right now? And do you think what would we have to get to for it to change any of your day to day activities again? It, I would be hard pressed to change my day to day activities again, mm-hmm. to be frank. If it meant protecting my neighbors and my loved one, like if it got bad again, like original covid, then, yeah, I would I would buckle down and quarantine again. But if it's just sort of like rumors and it's sort of. This might make people mad, too. If it's sort of just like Omicron level, mm-hmm. I'd, be, I'd be really hard pressed to be like, yeah, let's quarantine. Let's put on masks. Let's social distance. Even though I was never an anti-masker. I mean, I was always like wearing my mask. Yeah, I yeah. was a, I got vaccinated very early. Like I'm pro all those things. I but th- I, it'd be hard to go backwards. Yeah. First of all, there's going to be a band coming out of this time period called Original COVID. Like, that would be an awesome band name. <laughs> oh, I love that idea, Brian. Who are you seeing tonight? Original, Original COVID. Original COVID. OC. Uh, it will take a, a ton for me to go backwards, I think, you again. Think so? And this is where I think most people are at. And yeah. this is what's going to be really interesting going forward. I think even if it ramps up again, but it's not like some serious strain or whatever else. I think people are like, all right, I'm going to get yeah, whatever. Like, well, like here we go. I got vaccinated. I got it. this. I wonder. I actually had this conversation with someone the other day. I'm not sure that there's many scenarios where they could mandate masks again. You don't think so? I don't. It'd be could hard you to go see, back after. Could you see getting that email from your school right no, now? No, 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 no. Like what, and if you and I, we like to think of ourselves as like rule following mm-hmm. people we like to think of ourselves as like we want to be understanding and yeah. if we're like no 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 and the people who really have strong feelings if you start are to not, have to yeah. go into panera again or starbucks or church yeah i mean i just i'm hard pressed yeah. to do it so excited to travel i eat aubrey it just feels good that life's getting back to normal right. but i went to totally. best buy the other day and i told my wife i said i went to best buy and i actually forgot that i didn't have to wear a mask and all of a sudden i was like Oh, what's going on? I'm I like, oh wait, it's life's okay. normal. We could do it's this. Okay. So, uh, I, you know, I know we're all praying that it stays normal, yeah. but I don't see a scenario where where it moves off it. I think the closest we're going to get is we strenuously suggest that you do this, right, and we right. all go, okay, thank okay, you for your thank suggestion. You for that so, suggestion. have we a great trip though this weekend. Thank you. You have a great spring I'm break. Looking forward well, to it. It's Friday. You know what Friday means? Top five list. Top five list is one of our favorite things to do every Friday. Top five, top five, top five, top five.
five things with Brian and Aubrey. All right, with that theme song in mind, today we're going to do top five greatest annoyances for travel by airplane. When What's a flying. better way to say that? Travel just greatest greatest annoyances when flying. So I kind of said to you, like, yes, from when you get dropped off at the airport to when you get into a rental car or someone else's car. So yes. that process in there. So getting to your airplane, getting on the airplane, mm-hmm. flying mm-hmm. itself, land, whatever else it yes. might be, what are your greatest annoyances? Okay. Because so you and I are both flying this yeah, weekend. We, that's right. So it's in, uh, it's in honor of our flying. Okay, Brian, this one's going to sound really mean, but I'm going to start off with number five. I, I, this one, I'm not going in order. I'm already on the airplane. And that's just a chatty passenger. Like, I just want you to be quiet so I can read my book or watch my Netflix show. Yep. Put your headphones you know, right on, right? I, mean, that's, I feel like... That's not good. People aren't distractions or disruptions. Are, and so yet, let, let me on let, planes they are. Let, let me dive into that one. I'm I wholeheartedly agree with you. It didn't make my list, but I agree with you. Okay. And can we just stop going to the evangelism books and conferences <laughs> where they say I was on the I was on the plane and I just you know shared Jesus for two hours and I'm like. Praise God for that. But, like, wow. is that really the goal right. here? We want to, like... Yeah. But, oh, okay, anyway. That is. I think I do feel guilty. Like, I'm so, oh, I'm supposed to be Jesus to the person on the plane. I'm but going really, to hell for just, saying that. I understand yeah, that. it's not but. good. But I just, I don't want you to talk to me, and I don't want to have to talk. We're not going to be friends after this. So, like, why <laughs> do we... So I have it. That's I'm sorry. I'm sorry to the world around me, but that's No, that's good. Cool. Don't apologize. It's your top Thanks, five Brian. list. Here Thanks, we go. Brian. For me, number five is that on the airplane, you have to pay for actual Wi-Fi. Oh, yeah, that's terrible. That bothers me. Yeah, like, that's I, I, I'm paying enough to fly on your yeah. airplane that I feel like I should yeah. get entertainment choices and just Wi-Fi that yeah. I can play on. I know they always give you just enough Wi-Fi that they it's do. like they for free, you, but mm-hmm. it's never ability to or do like anything Southwest once you fly. Airlines, at least you get free shows and movies. You but do, you're right, you, you, don't, do. you can't just like search the internet. Exactly. Yeah. And we have all, we're all smart enough now to know that it doesn't cost that much right. to do that. So stop nickel and diming me stop here for the, wi- and for the Wi-Fi. Yeah, that's right. That's a good one. Okay. Uh, my number four, I do not, and this changed after 9-11. So again, I, I feel like I'm getting- Really? We're doing an airline I, one and you I, reference 9-11? I'm so sorry. <laughs> I know. This is terrible. I'm saying like, there's like, I should be struck by lightning for this. I don't want to take my shoes off anymore mm. at the uh, security check. Mm, I don't the want- belt. Yeah. Just my, like, no one needs to see me with my socks on. Like, just, you can scan my shoes. That's fine. You you can see the shoes in that machine where you raise your arms above your head. Mm. I don't want to take them off anymore, Brian. It takes too long to put them back on at the Fair. end. It's hard to do it when you're balancing all of your luggage and people are in a hurry. The worst is, and I've I done like this because I don't fly enough that I think these things through. Yeah. So you wear like the sandals and all of a sudden now you have bare, bare feet. feet. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm and with you. you. And I don't want to see your bare feet and you shouldn't have to see mine. Good call. Good yeah. call. My number four is when you are sitting in your seat, because I always fly coach, as you could probably guess, uh, somebody laying their seat back or somebody <laughs> pulling on your seat from behind or hitting it with their knees. So it's the the people in front of you laying back. Yes. Like, really, I want you in my lap right, right now. Right. Or in behind you, kind of knees yeah, hitting, pulling, because yeah. they're trying to bring their tray down. Yeah. Like, sometimes it feels like you're riding a roller coaster on that thing. You're like, really? Are You just need to, just like, like you know aggressive. I'm right here. Yeah. So that's it. Yep, that's a, that's actually a really good one. That ties into my number two, sort of, but I'll three. wait on that. Number number three. Three. Oh, okay. No, 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 I know. We're on number three. I, I'm going back to something I said before, and I don't know, I don't have a solution for this, but there are a lot of lines. You're in line to, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. check in, give me your baggage, you're in line to get a security, you're in line to get, to get on the plane, you're in line to get food. I don't like all the lines, and I don't, again, don't know the solution, but I would like a change. Just more, less lines. Less lines, yeah. So I most just want to stand around. People who really do fly a lot are probably saying to you, you can pay to skip this and that, but you're looking for less lines for free. For all the people, not just the people with the money and the TSA pre You want, you all want the free people. less lines. Yes. I, can, I can get on board with that. I do. I want... So this everybody. didn't make my list at all. What do you think about Southwest not having assigned seats? Are you uh, pro that or against that? So here's here's my problem with it is I always end up paying for the early bird fee, <laughs> which ends up adding like 60 bucks or 90 bucks or whatever to the flight because I don't want to get that B seat. I want yeah. that A one. And so it it is problematic that they don't. I like I like Southwest. They have cheap flights. Mm-hmm, they have mm-hmm. refundable. They're flexible. T- two free baggages. So I'm not going to complain about much with Southwest, but I feel like that's sort of a ripoff because then you end up paying for the early birthday. Agreed. Thing. Agreed. All right. My number three, 
And this is everything that encompasses what I'm about to say. Okay. Baggage claim. Baggage claim. So it's the getting it, finding it, walking there. Uh-huh. But it's it always adds. And I know all these people right now thinking like, oh, I just don't check bags. Sometimes, especially when you have kids, you got to check you bags. You got to check bags. Tangential to this is now that they charge you for bags is the most yeah. ridiculous thing Not in the world. Southwest. But uh, it's baggage claim. You stand yeah. there and you get. I get nervous. Yeah. Like, am I going to be the person whose bag doesn't show up? Because oh, there stressful. always seems like the person whose bag doesn't show up. It's never happened in the end to me. But I'm always worried at baggage mm-hmm. claim. I'm always like, where should I be standing? Like, mm-hmm. it matters how close I am to <laughs> where it comes so out. That's so and true. I just, I, I there's no good yeah. solution to it. I just don't like baggage claim. You kind of get anxious around baggage claim. Yeah, and it's annoying. Uh, a lot of it. A that lot of it. That would be sort of in my mind, like another line you're waiting in. It feels claim. like it. Yeah. Baggage yep. claim. Yes. Yep. Okay, my number two is similar to what you said to your number four. I would just call this man spreading in general. Like when I'm sitting by a guy and he like opens his legs and like takes up all the room in the airplane and like leans over and takes both the armchairs. That makes me so mad. And I am a smaller framed person. And so I don't feel like I necessarily have the right to be like, I will take up space. Instead, Mm -hmm. I make myself really small. Mm -hmm. But it it angers me. Man spreading on airplanes. Or in general. In general, yes, accurate. This that is accurate. Both. Let's be honest. So this one is going to be somewhat similar. My okay. number two. Okay. My number two is going to be somewhat similar. The middle seat. Oh, the middle seat's horrible. And I don't know why with my kids, I tend to take the middle seat so I could be, you know, have one on each side yeah, of me, you know, they want nice. to sit by that. Although they're yeah. getting older now. So now that doesn't matter yeah. so much. The middle seat makes you feel like you are at the lowest deck of the Titanic, yeah, right? Like you are, <laughs> you are like at where, where the biggest peasants are <laughs> because so you're in the middle. People are climbing over. You can't really see out the window. You're not getting it's, the good food. And like so you true. just described, you're like. You're holding your arms yeah. in as long as you can, and yeah. you're keeping your, your knees are touching. Yeah, the middle seat, I yeah. can do without. When I get on Southwest, I tend to be the one who forgets to check in, and so um, we're at the back of the line, the and seat. all you're getting uh, is the middle that's seat. A good, that's a really good one. Okay. Right, do you have any honorable mentions? I have mentions? a couple honorable mentions. One of them is something you nodded to earlier. That was, uh, char- I don't like paying for baggage. Mm-hmm. I'm used to not paying for it when I fly Southwest, and so when I do, I feel so atrocious to have to pay for bags, especially if you have more than one bag. Mm-hmm. And look, I travel a lot for speaking, so I'm lugging books, I'm lugging like merchandise, and then you know my a normal thing, so I do not like like that mm-hmm. and then i the other thing i don't like is when people it, you're like on an early flight and people open up their window but the sun is blaring <laughs> on you like across the aisle and they don't realize it but you're literally like i'm yes. blind and it gets just, all hot yes, yeah, just, yeah, yeah and yeah. i like seeing out an airplane window but just there are certain times of day when you need to keep I'm that window you. close i got it Those all are right my honorable mentions. i have two honorable mentions one this goes without saying crying children oh i feel for you I, yeah. I'm I'm not I don't think they should kick you off the plane. Yeah. But now that my kids are older, now I can get annoyed <laughs> by crying you've kids. You've been through that, yeah. Right. And number the other honorable mention for me, lack of food options. There aren't good food I options. I know you I can do better than pretzels. I, I know you can that. do better yeah. than that. Yeah. Uh, so lack of food options. Yeah, All right. Good. I'm very interested if number one's you the ready same for, for us. Number one? I'm very this, interested. This Neither of a, us have mentioned my number one yet. So this has appeared on a top five list for me before of things we're annoyed by. This is one of my top five just pet peeves in real life, but especially in travel. I do not like singing flight attendants <laughs> at all. I despise singing flight attendants. I don't want you to sing for me to have a great day. I don't want you to sing oh, about how great. good the flight was. Please don't sing to me on an airplane. The singing flight attendant. That's attendant. my number one that annoyance That is of a travel. very specific annoyance right there. It's annoyed me for a long time. All right. My number one, and this is this will get me till the day I die. My number one is people who stand up too soon. <laughs> it's the plane has landed. Like, yeah, yeah. You're at the back of the plane. You know you've got another 20 minutes before you get off this plane. Right. And they stand up. Right away. And they're kind of like leaning, uh-huh. like they got to duck their head. And they're like, yeah. I'm like, hey, this isn't a race. We know how this is going to happen. It's going to take a long time to you're sit gonna back go, down. You're going to go. Yeah. You're going to go. The people in front of us, they paid the yes. better money. They're, yes. they're sitting up there. They get <laughs> off first. People who stand up too soon on the, uh, on the airplane. That is a very, very good one. All right. Well, what did we hit? What did we miss? We would love to hear from you. What are your top five greatest annoyances in flight travel? That was a fun one, Brian. Here's some weird stuff we found on the internet. Here's some more weird stuff we found on the web.
And one of our favorite things to do on Friday is to search the wild and wacky world of the internet, the wild west of the internet, <laughs> to find some of the craziest stories. Our executive producer, Keith Conrad, finds these for us. And when Brian and I read them to you, this is the first time this we are seeing them. And so you are hearing our reactions in real time. Brian, are you ready? I am ready. Okay, let's go. Have I ever told you, by the way, when Ian and I used to do these every day, we had some pastors who told us that they were like they would sit and listen to these and try to put them like use them in sermons. Okay, that's amazing. I yep. feel like that would actually be a really good challenge for pastors. There you go. And then they could send it to us and we could play that on the air. No, or I good. like it. I, I like, like it. That. Number one, out of Russia? Oh, no. Oh, no. We're starting dark. <laughs> starting out really bad. McDonald's knockoff called Uncle Vanya, Vanya. Unveils, okay, unveils nearly identical logo after Russian stores close. Stop it. A budding burger chain in Russia called Uncle Vanya is looking to grab business that has been left on the table uh, by McDonald's, <laughs> revealing a logo that's strikingly similar to the Golden Arches. A March 12th trademark filing with the Russian government showed an image that closely resembles the McDonald's logo turned sideways. Ways. The sketchy filing shows acrylic letter B, which references the V in Uncle Vanya, cast in yellow against a red background. This is hilarious. Uh, trademark squatting has begun in Russia, tweeted Josh Gerben, a prominent intellectual property uh, attorney. The application appeared online after Russia officials indicated they removed patent protections for companies li- linked to countries deemed hostile to Russia. Ah, okay. It does look I, like it. Okay, that is, yeah, if you could see it, it's pretty entertaining how much that looks like the McDonald's sign. Okay, here's one out of Costa Rica. Oh no! A boy on a zip line in Costa Rica crashes into a climbing sloth. <laughs> a young boy on a zip line at an adventure park in Costa Rica had an unexpected wildlife encounter when he collided with a sloth climbing on a cable. The video shared to Instagram by the Go Adventure Aeronol sure. Park, and we're just going to go with that, uh, in, in La Fortuna shows the young boy taking the zip line through the young forest. The video, filmed by a tour guide, captured the moment the boy came to an abrupt stop by colliding with a sloth on the line. I just clocked him straight in the face. What do I do about the sloth? The boy asks in the video. The tour guide tells the boy to wait. And they remain in place as the sloth makes its way to lower ground. The owner of the park said the boy and the sloth were both uninjured. I'm going to send this to my daughter. That is a fascinating story. This summer, she is going with a school trip that got canceled last year. She's going this summer with a group to Costa Rica. No way! I'm sure. I bet you they're doing stuff like this. I'm going to have to send her to this. Watch out for the Costa Rican sloths. Climbing sloths. Well, there's something you don't see every day. Oh, Florida. Oh, Florida. Confused traveler mistakes stranger's home for his Airbnb. (laughs) Oh, that could happen. A man visiting Florida spent the night in what he thought was an Airbnb, only to discover the next morning that he slept in the wrong house. Paul Drexler, who traveled to Miami to officiate a friend's wedding, said he arrived at what he thought was his Airbnb at 2 a.m. I had accidentally got the address wrong going from the Airbnb app into the Google Maps. The address became the house right next door. Stop. He said everything appeared to be in order at the home, which had been left unlocked. In the bedroom, the bed was made and ready to go. Stop. And there were two clean folded towels waiting oh. for me. The traveler said he was confused when there was a knock on the door in the morning. The next morning, I get woken up by a knock on the door. I was surprised the guy even knocked on his own door. He goes, hey, can I help you? This is my house. And I'm like, um, no, this is an Airbnb that I rented. He goes, no, this is my house. Drexler soon discovered that his actual Airbnb was the home next door. He said the man who woke him up was very understanding. He could have come in shooting, that's dark, or could have called the police or a combination of both. Obviously, a number of bad things could have happened. The way he reacted was so accommodating to the mistake. It was definitely the best possible outcome. He's a regular traveler. He said he will make sure to triple check his Airbnb addresses from now on. That's great. Okay. Whose house has two made beds and towels on those beds, Mine. though? Oh, this isn't where I park my car. It's not true. not true. Wow. No. Wow. That is hilarious. All right. Another Florida story. A corgi falls overboard from yacht in Florida and swims seven miles to shore. You know who has corgis? Who? Our gal, Queen Elizabeth. (laughs) Nice. Hope this wasn't one of hers. All right. A one-year-old corgi who fell overboard from a yacht on the Indian River in Florida swam seven miles to shore and turned up in a resident's yard. 
John Atwood said he brought his dog, Jessica. I love when people name their dogs human names. I don't. That's a pet peeve of mine. Oh, I think it's so funny. Okay, Jessica with him when he went to help his mother and stepfather take their 65-foot yacht from Florida to North Carolina for the hurricane season via the Intracoastal Waterway. Atwood said the vessel was passing under the State Road 520 bridge over the Indian River in Brevard County when he noticed Jessica was no longer standing at his feet. We couldn't locate her, and so we immediately put two small boats in the water and started canvassing the water to try to find her. Couldn't find her anywhere. Prior to Sunday, she'd never even been in the water, so we had no idea if she would know how to swim. They continued the search for more than 24 hours before a post about Jessica's disappearance on social media led to his being contacted by a resident. Jessica had apparently swam seven miles to the Rockledge shore and ended up in a homeowner's backyard. Atwood said the homeowner who found Jessica refused a $500 reward. I just want to say thank you. Thank you for caring. Thank you for being kind and compassionate, Atwood said. I think I'd take that reward. I would, too. Anytime there's a reward that I've earned, I'm taking that thing. I mean, seriously, save the dog. Yeah, I bought you a mutt, and I ate him. (gasps) I ate his little face. I ate his guts. And I ate the way he's always barking. So I gave him to the church. Oh, I see. You hate him, so you gave him to the church. Hey, I also ate the mess he left on my rug. You heard me. All right, but now we're going to both feel guilty. We're going to end feeling guilty as <laughs> oh, pastors, Aubrey. No. Out of North Carolina, pastor gifts $10,000 in gasoline cards for, quote, gas on God giveaway. Oh, I do feel bad now. A pastor in Charlotte, North Carolina, tried to ease the pain in his community is feeling financially with a ten, with a $10,000 gas gift card giveaway that was dubbed gas on God. Pastor Brian Karn. Are you an office fan, by the way? Yes. Michael Skarn. <laughs> Agent Michael Scarn. Agent Michael Scarn. Pastor Brian Carn is the leader of Kingdom City Church, and according to the news, Spectrum News One, he gave the cards away to Charlotte residents Saturday because running out of gas is a feeling nobody wants to experience. Whenever people have to make a choice between gas and children going to school or eating, it's a real tragedy. Mm. Gas in the city is currently at four eighteen. He notes that the ten thousand dollar for gas purchase came from Carn's personal finances. What? They need to work at that church. Seriously? He maintained that he simply following his purpose and the example set by the by a higher power. Well, Jesus fed them and then he ministered to them. So right now the food mm. is gas. He gave away the $35 gas cards to more than 300 drivers on the wow. west side of the city and also dispensed groceries and other gift cards wow. to families. Good for that guy. That Man, that's is really good. so cool, yeah. especially with gas prices at the cost they are these days. I absolutely love that. Dang. Alright, so those are some stories from the Wild West world of the internet. And thanks so much for joining us today. We'll be back again Monday. Well, I'll be back again Monday. Mm -hmm. Brian will be on spring break. That'll be from 4 to 6 p.m. For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life.